coming up on Simple Truths. Pastor Xavier Reese with heartbreaking news from the battlefield. While David is being victorious, Saul is being defeated. Behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp. Clothes are torn, dust on his head, both emblems of mourning and weeping. He came to David, he fell on the ground, prostrating himself. So his posture is very humble before him. Comes a shocking answer that David hoped he didn't hear. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Sudden, tragic news about a loved one never comes at a good time. But bad news is only made worse when it's revealed to have included misinformation. And such was the additional anguish David was subjected to when he heard of the demise of not just King Saul, but his loving friend, Jonathan. But in the first of our Simple Truth series in the book of 2 Samuel, Pastor Xavier explains how it was that God was honored in David's genuine lamentation for Saul and Jonathan, both in death and in life. Let's listen. 2 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to look at the entire chapter, verse 1 through 27, and the message entitled, David Honors Saul and Jonathan in Death. The initial request of the people for a king was never the will of God. Saul was the people's king. The people's king was self-willed, disobedient, and rebellious to the commands of God, and by pride attempted to hang on to the kingdom that God had taken from him. Saul's constant attempt to kill David hardened his heart. Yet David revealed his lack of violence or hatred towards him, allowing him to live two times that's recorded for us. And in the last time when he let him live, in chapter 26... Saul declared his own epitaph for his tombstone. Listen to him. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly, 1 Samuel 26, 21. That's the sum total of his life. Saul has been killed in the battle against the Philistines with his son Jonathan, Abinadab and Malchishua, just as Samuel had prophesied when Saul sought the medium at Endor. Listen to 1 Chronicles 10.13. Saul died for his unfaithfulness which he had committed against the Lord Yahweh because he did not keep the words of the Lord Yahweh and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. It's very clear why God killed him through the Philistines. God is now ready to establish his monarchy through David, bringing us to the time when David receives the news of Saul's death from an Amalekite. And again, it's laid out for us in three movements. Let me read for us here, chapter 1 of Second Samuel. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, that David had stayed two days in Ziklag. On the third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp and his clothes torn and dust on his head. So it was when he came to David that he fell on the ground and prostrated himself. And David said to him, Where have you come from? And so he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. Then David said to him, How did the matter go? Please tell me. And he answered, The people have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. And so David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? And the young man who told him said, 
As I happened the chance to be on Mount Gilboa, there was Saul leaning on his spear, and indeed the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now when he looked behind, behind him, he saw me, and he called to me, and I answered, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? So I answered him, I am an Amalekite. And he said to me again, Please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me by my life, but my life is still remains in me. And so I stood over him, and I killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm, and I brought them to my Lord. Therefore, David took hold of his own garments, his clothes, and tore them. And so did all the men that were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son, for the people of the, uh, and the Lord, and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. And then David said to the young man who told him, Where are you from? And he answered, I am the son of an Amalekite. And so David said to him, How was it that you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And then David called one of the young men and said, Go near him and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. And so David said to him, Your blood is on your own head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. And then David lamented with lamentation over Saul and over uh, Jonathan, his son. And he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow. Indeed, it is written in the book of Jasher, The beauty of Israel is slain on your high places, how the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Eshkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph, O mountain of Gilboa. Let there be no dew, nor rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for the shield of the mighty is cast away there, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty. Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan was slain in your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen, and how the weapons of war perished. The news brought to David by this Amalekite over the death of Saul and Jonathan is laid out for us in these three movements. In verse 1 through 10, the information reported by the Amalekite to David. Then 11 through 16, the consternation of David over the Amalekite. And then 17 through 27, the lamentation of David over Saul and Jonathan. Verse 1 through 10, we have the information reported by the Amalekite to David. Take note in verse 1 and 2, the arrival of the Amalekite is given to us. The specifics of time is stated. And very important because you can collaborate with what's happened before and now. And the Bible is very specific so that you can see there's no contradictions or mistakes. Notice the first specific on the time is stated there in verse 1 in relationship to the battle between the Philistines and Israel. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul. This marks a new division. As many of the books, we see that. 
though it's still the book of Samuel, we have divided it now, but it was always one volume. But it marks this distinct division between Saul, now who is dead, and David. God has removed Saul. He is now going to make David the king of Israel. Not only that, but notice in relationship to the battle between David and the Amalekites. As we remember, when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites in chapter 30, he had defeated them because he had recovered his wives and all the things that the Amalekites had burned Ziklag with. And so it ties with that also. And then also notice in relationship to David's return to the city of Ziklag, and David has stayed two days in Ziklag. Remember that Achish had given this city to David as he had gone to flee from the persecution of Saul in 1 Samuel 27, 6. And he had deceived Achish, Achish thinking he was raiding the Israeli camp when he wasn't. He was raiding the southern camps down in the Negev. And so he has been rejected. He's been there. He's, 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 he's under the protection of him to an extent of Saul. This is about 18 miles east of Gaza. Now, in relationship also, it's given here of the appearance of this Amalekite. It says the third day. He has been two days in Ziklag. This is the third day. Again, the time factor confirms that most likely the battle that took place in the north of the Philistines with Saul and the battle that took place with David with the Amalekites in the south were probably happening at the same time. While David is being victorious, Saul is being defeated. Notice the specifics of the Amalekite are now stated in verse 2. He was coming from Mount Gaboa. Behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp. Galboa was located about 85 miles north of Ziklag. That's where the battle took place, Mount Galboa. Now, whether this Amalekite was a mercenary for the Philistines, we're not told. But certainly we're going to see that he's a questionable person. Notice he was presenting himself as distraught. Clothes are torn, dust on his head, both emblems of mourning and weeping, humiliation through the scriptures in the Old Testament. And he was very respectful. He came to David, he fell on the ground, prostrating himself. So his posture is very humble, very acknowledging the superior before him, David. And it, it appeared that, that he was genuine, but appearances aren't always what they appear to be in life. Because the heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked. There's always an agenda if we're not careful. Look at verse 3 and 4. The general inquiry of the Amalekite by David is given to us. In verse 3, David asked about his origin. You know, where are you from? He says, I escaped from the camp of Israel. And then David in verse 4 asked about the battle. Because, you know, David hasn't gotten news. This is the first thing he's heard. And he knows they're fighting out there, so he's, he's anxious about it. And he's urgent. The urgent question is, he says, how, how did the matter go? Please tell me. It comes a shocking answer that David hoped he didn't hear. He answered, the people have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead. And here comes the clincher. And Saul and Jonathan, his sons, are dead also. Like a knife 
crossing his heart. It's like you're waiting for the doctor. Is it benign or malignant? Okay, they're in an accident, but are they okay? You understand? The specific inquiry of the Malachi by David comes next in verse 5 through 10. In verse 5, David asks about Saul and Jonathan. He asked a young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? And then David heard the account from the Amalekite, the specifics. He says he just happened to be in the area first. I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa. And then he says that he saw Saul injured. There was Saul leaning on a spear. And indeed, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. It was a fierce battle. And then he says he was called by Saul. When he looked behind him, he saw me and he called me and I answered. Here I am. He's presenting himself as someone who really is coming to Saul's aid. Someone who is good. And in verse 8, he, he was asked by Saul as to his identity. Who are you? I'm an Amalekite. Now David just destroyed the Amalekites for raiding Ziklag. He's recovered all. He was asked by Saul in verse 9 to slay him. He said to me again, please stand over me, kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. And by his own words, he says he killed Saul. I stood over him. I killed him because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. Now notice David in verse 10 there still. Heard the words of Malachi, and they were worse to seek the favor of David. Because notice that he stripped from Saul his kingly royal emblems. I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm. And then he presents them to David as the tokens to the true king. Listen to his words. And I've brought them here to my Lord. This is all David knows about the battle. He's taken them at his word. Notice the record of the battle really proves the Malachite to be a liar. We have to contrast this with the last chapter of 1 Samuel, chapter 31, particularly verse 3 through 8. I'm just going to run you through some contrast. Let me give you a hint. Chapter 31 comes before chapter 1 of 2 Samuel. <laughs> chapter 31 is the accurate record of what took place. Okay? Listen. In Samuel 31, 1 Samuel 31, verse 3 and 4, Saul was struck by the archer severely, we are told. Wounded. Wanting not to be tortured, he asked his armor bearer to fall upon him and kill him. He refused to do so. Now, the Amalekite says he was leaning on a spear. How can he do that if he found a sword? In verse 5 of 31, seeing Saul fall on the sword, the armor bearer of Saul falls on his own sword and says, and he died with him, Saul. Verse 5 says Saul died. The armor bearer died. 
Then verse 6 of 31, the summary statement declares that Saul, his three sons, the armor bearer, and all the men died together in the same day. That's the second time it says that Saul died. Then in verse 7, the men of Israel saw Saul and his sons were dead. That's the third time it tells us Saul was dead. And then in verse 8 of 31, the next day the Philistines stripped the bodies. They found Saul and his three sons fallen in Malgoboa. Four times in four verses, we are told directly or indirectly that Saul died. The fact that the Amalekite presented David with the crowns, the crown of the king, the bracelet of Saul here, only proves that he stripped the body of Saul before the Philistines got to him. That's all it proves. The book of First Chronicles, chapter 10, verse 1 through 12, is a testimony against him because it's an identical word-for-word record of chapter 31 of 1 Samuel. So the Amalekite here, which we're going to see as a type of the flesh, is a liar seeking to get favor from David. This Amalekite is like many people are. They're like the weather vane. It just depends which way the wind's blowing. They're camellias. They just flow with things. They're users. It has been said that the trouble with stretching the truth is that it's apt to snap back. (laughs) The audacity of people to pass themselves off for something that they really aren't as a genuine thing when they have selfish ambition is incredible and unimaginable today. History, but more so today. People will lie about themselves, saying they have degrees, that they've done this, when they're complete liars. Now, nobody wants to use the word liars, because that's what it is. I can't say, well, I have to recalibrate my words. I have to say I was wrong. Okay? You recalibrate timing in, in your car. You recalibrate a speedometer. But you admit you're wrong when you say something wrong. People will lie. People will say half-truths. People will distort truth. People will withhold truth. People like this are very superficial, treacherous. Their allegiance to themselves, they have no friends. They are their their best friend and their worst enemy. (laughs) Because they see people as a means to an end. Are you like this? Fair-weather friend? Are you genuine in Christ? Proverbs 3, 3 through 4 Solomon, consulting his son, giving him counsel for life, says, Let not mercy or truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. You live godly. You live right. You'll be right with God. And you'll have to also be right with man. You understand? I'm often asked about suicide for Christians. It's a very difficult situation. But to me, it's an oxymoron. Your life is not your own as a Christian. You've been bought with a price. It's not your life. You did not give yourself life. God gave you life. Certainly as we look to history, Christians who have been persecuted and were sentenced to death by burning at the stake or being shot or being hung, whatever the method would be, they are recorded as praying for those who have condemned them, proclaiming the gospel to those who are executing them. They did not take their lives. There are pastors who are very flippant with this, and they give assurance to everybody, no matter what, Christian or non-Christian. 
Well, I cannot speak from the absence of Scripture. Four times it's recorded in Scripture about suicide. Four people. You have Saul, you have Ahithophel, Zimri, and you have Judas Iscariot. All four of those individuals, when they took their lives, were not right with God. Now, if there's four recordings of four suicides, one non-believer, Zimri, and they're all in a bad light, why would you want to go there? If you're a Christian, you've come to Christ for hope and to live for God. So those who speak very freely about suicide, I wouldn't touch with a temple. I would give nobody guarantee, you understand? They weren't right with God when it happened. You find that in 2 Samuel 17, 23, 1 Kings 16, 18, Matthew 27, 5, and right here, chapter 31 of 1 Samuel. Now, the person who has no character is always scamming, but sooner or later, it catches up with them. If you've lived long enough, you know this. They end up in jail. They end up broke. They end up without a family. They end up dead. Proverbs eleven nineteen says, As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. There are people who, because of their looks, their charismatic personality, get away with so much here, but not before God. Men uh, deceive gullible young and older women. I think they're Don Juans. Women deceive foolish young and stupid older men. Men and women use their appearance, their bodies, as commodities to trade them, invest them, to have them work for them. Listen to Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceitful, beauty is passing or vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Proverbs 6, 13 through 15. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. He points his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. The information reported by the Amalekite to David was false for self-promotion. Very evident. Now, next comes the consternation of David over the Amalekite. 11 through 16. Notice 11 and 12. The grief of David over the fallen warriors of Israel. In 11, David expresses grief in a very demonstrative way immediately when he heard these words. David the king symbolically reveals his own sorrow. Therefore, David took hold of his own clothes and tore them. A sign of mourning, grief, great loss. And David as king and leader was followed by his men. So did all the men who were with him. Notice in verse 12, David and his men continue in their grief till sundown. They mourn, which means to wail and lament. They wept, it means bitterly, with anguish. And they fasted, it means they abstained from food. The duration until evening. And they grieve for the house of Israel because it was a great loss of the house of Israel. Pastor Xavier Reese. 
has been providing a scenario of hurt upon grief for David, coping with the deaths of Saul and Jonathan in our opening message of a Simple Truth Study series in the book of 2 Samuel. And you can hear this program again anytime by hitting the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And though we're only just halfway through our message, you can request to receive it on CD. And the title you want to ask for is simply, David Honors Saul and Jonathan in Death. It's available for only $4. We'll be including everything Pastor Xavier has planned to share next time as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, David Honors Saul and Jonathan in Death. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com